Well, good morning. Good morning is uh, another way of saying, sit down. It's time to get going. Oh, just kidding. Uh, as many of you know, I lead World Orphans, and I've been with them since 2006. And over the years, one of the things that has given me the most joy uh, and encouragement is to go visit and spend time with our international staff, our church partners, and especially the pastors. In a typical year, I would travel five or six times and, uh, to visit our partners, Guatemala, Ethiopia, South Africa, India, or someplace else. One of the hardest parts for me during this season of COVID has been the inability to be able to go and to see and to spend time with my friends. Maybe that's a little bit of what Paul was feeling when he longed to see the believers in Rome. In the beginning of the book of Romans, Paul says that he longs to see them so that they may mutually encourage, be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I resonate with what Paul is saying. When we go, we mutually encourage each other. We mutually build each other up. We mutually are inspired by each other's faith, particularly when we see the fruit of the Spirit, faith leading to good works that we're going to talk a little bit about this morning. When we spend time together with other believers, particularly in a cross-cultural setting, or really any, any ministry capacity, whether we're volunteering at Wellspring or a youth event, we're spending time with others who say, this is true. This gospel is true. We see faith in action and the obedience that flows from it. We see others using their gifts as we use ours, and we're mutually encouraged. All that to say, after two and a half years of being grounded by COVID, last month I went to Guatemala. It was a great trip. I got to spend some time with our amazing staff. These are psychologists, program managers, excellent leaders, fun and creative people for sure. Their passion, commitment, and skill is truly remarkable. One of the unexpected blessings for World Orphans during COVID was the work of our international staff. To say that they stepped up to the plate would be a gross understatement. We got to spend time with the pastors in our program and really focus on relationship building. One of our core values is relationship over resources. That only happens when you spend time together. We took some of the pastors to play paintball. It's been far too long since many of them just got to relax and have some fun. I don't know why I haven't played paintball before. <laughs> that was pretty fun. We took the pastors and their wives to Antigua for some much needed rest, renewal, and fellowship with their peers. One of the challenges for pastors everywhere is finding rest, taking Sabbath. While we're enjoying our Saturdays, Phil is getting ready for Sunday. While we're uh, soaking in the worship and the word on a Sunday morning, Josh and Phil and the rest of our church staff are working. I'm sure you'd rather see Phil up here this morning. I would too. But together we're grateful that he can have a weekend away to rest. 
It was also the first time that I've got to spend time with the artisans in our program that are making the products that we're selling at the collective. These are a couple of the women in our program that are making some leather bracelets. It's part of our empowerment program designed to strengthen families. Our vocational training program isn't just the leatherwork sewing and crochet classes that make our products that we sell though. We also have classes in cosmetics, cosmetology, culinary skills. All taught to Guatemalans by Guatemalans. Probably my favorite part of the trip outside of paintball was sitting around a table at one of our churches sampling donuts made by the cooking co-op. The idea is that the ladies come together at church to make the donuts, enjoy each other's fellowship, and then they sell them in the community. It's complicated by gang activity and extortion, child care problems, but those are problems and stories for another trip, or for another day. It was a great trip. Long, long, long overdue. This summer, we're talking about parables. As Phil has explained, we're looking at them with an eye toward a better understanding of our relationships with one another and a better understanding of the character and values of God. This morning, we're going to look at the parable of the sheep and the goats found in Matthew chapter 25. This is how it begins. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right, and the goats on his left. Sheep and goats. Being in Colorado, we're pretty familiar with what they are. This is a sheep. This is a goat. (laughs) What are the differences between them? Well, for one thing, sheep have wool. Goats have hair. Second, sheep have tails that point down. Goats have tails that point up. As a side note, I always thought it was pretty easy to tell the difference between sheep and goats. They really don't look that similar. Until I went to Ethiopia... The sheep and goats in Ethiopia look remarkably similar, in color at least. They don't at all, the sheep don't at all look like the white fluffy things we count when we can't sleep at night. You really have to look close to be able to tell them apart. Regardless, they're different. They're different animals just like a cow and a horse are different. Wool and hair are characteristics of sheep and goats. They help us tell them apart, but having wool does not make you a sheep. An alpaca has wool, it's not a sheep. A horse has hair, it's not a goat. Being a sheep causes you to have wool, not the other way around. That's going to be an important distinction for us as we look at this parable. Let's take a minute and read through it in its entirety. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. 
He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or need clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick and in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. This parable is set in the future, where Jesus has returned in glory and is establishing his kingdom. He is separating the saved from the lost. There's a lot going on in the passage. Matthew is writing about some pretty heavy stuff. There's the new millennium, tribulation, Old Testament imagery of God gathering all nations for judgment. Some of that we're going to leave for Phil for another day. (laughs) For our purposes today, again, we want to look at what Jesus is telling us about his character, his values. What matters to him, what should matter to us, and how we interact and care for one another. As the story begins, Jesus is back in his glory, as we said, with angels sitting on his throne. And he's separating those who are saved from those who are lost. And is using this analogy of a shepherd separating sheep and goats. He tells those on his right, those that are saved, to take their inheritance. That inheritance, eternity with Christ, was sealed by the Holy Spirit and now comes to fruition. Jesus describes it as the kingdom prepared for them, prepared for us, since the creation of the world. He says in a few different ways, you took care of me when I needed it, so take your inheritance. They're confused. When did we see you hungry and feed you? When did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we invite you in as a stranger, give you clothes, care for you when you were sick, or visit you in prison? Jesus replies, truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of my brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Jesus is continuing to break down social structures. Last week, Phil spoke about the parable of the great banquet, 
where Jesus deconstructed conventional thinking about who is really important and who we should be paying attention to. In that story, the poor, the crippled, and the lame, and the blind were the ones that Jesus said pay attention to. In our parable today, Jesus is saying that caring for the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, those in prison, is like caring for Jesus himself. He tells those on his left, those that are condemned, to depart from him. They are subject to an eternity separated from Christ, sent to the eternal fire with Satan and his demons. He says, you didn't feed the hungry. You didn't give water to the thirsty. You didn't care for the needy. What seems pretty clear is that this parable is about salvation, separating the saved from the lost. What's confusing is that this passage seems to suggest that salvation is the result of good works. It sure seems like Jesus is saying, if you do these acts of charity, you will be saved. If you don't, well, it's off to the fire for you. This question, how a person is saved, has been debated for centuries. It was one of the core questions at the heart of the Protestant Reformation in the 16th century. That led to the establishment of five essential doctrines for the Protestant church, of which, of course, we're a part of. You've maybe heard of these before. They're all closely linked together. But today we're going to look at just two of them. Sola fida, faith alone, and sola gracia, grace alone. Sola fida is the doctrine of justification by faith apart from good works. It's simply recognizing what is taught over and over in Scripture that God declares the ungodly sinners righteous by imputing Christ's righteousness to them. That happens apart from any works by the person. Paul makes it clear in Galatians and Romans that humanity is justified by faith in Christ, not by observing the law. Sola gracia is simply acknowledging that the Bible teaches that the totality of our salvation is a gift of grace from God. The Bible is clear that we cannot earn God's favor through our own merit. It is solely by his grace. The work of the early church in spelling out these doctrines clarified for the Protestant church what the Protestant church has believed since, that salvation is through faith in Jesus alone, by grace, not by our good works. Paul drives this home in the book of Ephesians when he says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So how then are we to interpret this parable about the sheep and the goats? How are we to understand the relationship between good works and salvation? The good works that Jesus mentions in this parable are not the cause of salvation. They are the effect of salvation. 
As followers of Jesus, we become like Christ. The characteristics of Jesus become the characteristics of us. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, become evident in our lives. Remember we said earlier that having wool doesn't cause an animal to be a sheep. But the effect of, a sh- of being a sheep is that it will have wool. Doing acts of kindness and mercy doesn't cause us to be saved. But being a follower of Jesus results in us doing acts of mercy and kindness. They are characteristics of someone who is saved. The core message in the parable of the sheep and the goats is that God's people will love others. As followers of Jesus, we will feed the hungry. We will give water to the thirsty. We will invite the stranger in, the refugee in. We will give clothes to those in need. We will look after the sick. We will visit those in prison, not because we have to, not in order to be saved, but because of who God is, because of the work of the Spirit in us, because we are becoming more like Jesus. His characteristics are becoming our characteristics. We are studying the parables with the focus of learning more about the nature of God, the character of God. God clearly cares about the vulnerable, those in need. They matter to him, so they should matter to us. At World Orphans, when we start a new uh, a program with a new church, we help the church form what we call a home-based care committee. And that's a team of five or six people that will do the particular ministry for the church. Much like we might form a ministry team at uh, Castle Oaks. They're the ones that are going to visit the vulnerable families, extend love and grace on behalf of the church. We want to equip them to do that well, so we have all kinds of training, much of what is done by our international team. But the place we start with every church is why we do what we do. Our motivation to do any mercy ministry is important. We start by talking about who God is, what his character is. God is creator, he's loving, compassionate, and just. He cares about the vulnerable. The more we understand the character of God, the more we realize that caring for the vulnerable is not a duty or an obligation. It's a privilege. It's an opportunity to become more like Jesus. I think one of the challenges in looking at verses in the Bible that call us to care for the vulnerable whether that be caring for orphans or widows or refugees or the poor. So we can become legalistic in our response out of a sense of duty or obligation. We can even slip into the trap of trying to earn God's favor by caring for those in need. But God loves us more than we could ever hope, dream, or imagine. There's nothing we can do to make Jesus love us more. As John tells us, we love because he first loved us. As followers of Jesus, let's dare to love more.
to care more, to see those right in front of us that need to be known. Not because we have to, but because we can. As the summer ends, there's a few ways we can do that together. Our refugee ministry is looking to mentor another family this fall. We need a group of six or seven people or couples to form a ministry team that will walk with a displaced family that's new to our country. We come alongside that family to help them with some basic needs, learn some about their culture while they learn some about our culture. We might help with English, be a liaison with school, talk about finances, and practical life skills that are unique to living in Colorado. We might help with medical appointments. We might even teach them how to drive. If you'd like to be a part of that or learn more, learn more about it, you can chat with me or Christy Fuller. Castle Oaks has started a partnership with Care Portal. It's an online platform that matches the needs of kids and families that are in crisis here in Douglas County with churches who are able to help. Requests come from local agencies who vet the needs, share them with the community. We then come alongside those agencies and families with support and encouragement as we meet tangible needs. Imagine you're a social worker, likely overworked and under-resourced, serving these families who truly need help. There's only so much you can do in that setting. Care Portal helps fill that gap. These are needs that are typically related to a crisis or some sort of transition. It could be providing diapers or grocery cards or clothing. We're putting, it, we're putting together a team uh, to run point on that who can share the needs with our broader church. We need four or five people to be a part of that team. If that's something that's interesting to you or you think you can help with, see Debbie out in the lobby. Todd and Ann Zims, who serve with Sun International in Tanzania providing clean water, will be visiting our church at the end of uh, August. We need a place for them to stay, somebody to offer some hospitality, maybe even lend them a car they can use while they're here. They'll be here Saturday, August 27th through Tuesday, August 30th. If you can help with those needs, provide them with a, a room and a bed, or maybe a car, uh, please check in with Cindy. These are great opportunities to meet real needs right here in front of us. You may or may not know, Debbie and I live out in Elizabeth. We have six acres, and we've enjoyed raising a few animals. My parents, my grandparents, and their parents were all dairy farmers in northern Colorado, so I suppose it's in my blood. We've raised some sheep, We've raised some cows. At various times, the girls have asked for goats, to which I've said a hard no. <laughs> but I do love taking care of animals. I do love learning about them. Some have accused me of loving to eat them, but that is not the point. <laughs> if you'll allow me to stretch the analogy of the sheep and the goats a bit. I do know that not all wool is the same. Some sheep have wool that is coarse and rough. The fibers are thick in diameter, makes it not all that soft. Merino sheep, on the other hand, are known for their wool. It's extremely soft, 
and warm. It has thin fibers that are luxurious to the touch. When I talk to people about Castle Oaks Church, the thing that comes to mind is, number one, we have great preaching. Number one, we have great preaching. <laughs> really, we're, we're blessed to, to listen to Phil on Sunday morning. But I talk about the people. You are a generous, loving, kind, and caring people that I'm honored to call friends. Let's not grow weary of doing good. In every conversation, in every interaction, we have the opportunity to love like Jesus. It is who we are. Let's embrace the character and values of Jesus and love and help others as if we were loving and helping Jesus himself. Let's be followers of Jesus that have wool like merino sheep, soft and warm, luxurious to the touch, so that others might know the love and grace of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are, for the way that you love us, for the way that you are making us more like Jesus. We pray you would continue that work in us, that you would continue to mold and shape us. We want to be a people known for our love, a people known for our compassion and grace. May we be a people who love in a way that draws others to you. We love you, Jesus. Amen.